service. Worship is lifestyle. Yeah. Long after the music stops, I'll still be worshiping. Why? He will still be God. Amen? Amen. That's why I'll still be worshiping. So worship team, you brought us into the presence of God. And let me tell you something. We have not worshiped until we respond to the presence of God. Worship is for Him. The Word is for me. Have you ever left the service, looked up, and said, God's getting anything out of me being in church today? <laughs> yeah, I worship. So we're glad tonight that we've been able to worship. Amen? Amen. Now, I'm going to introduce myself to you before I preach. Have you ever heard people preach and you listen to them and you wonder, wonder how old they are? <laughs> wonder how much they weigh? <laughs> wonder if that's really their hair? <laughs> wonder if that's their teeth? <laughs> wonder if they're married? Wonder if they have any children? How does you ever wonder those things? Honey, if you have it, I can lunch, you will. Because we all do. Amen. So I'm going to leave you with all those questions this evening. As of April the 10th, I was 80 years old. I wouldn't have a facelift last year and then lift it up and put it back down. There's not anything to work with. I weigh 110 pounds. Now I've gained weight. I only weighed 6 pounds and 10 ounces when I was born. I'm so glad you gained weight. This is my hair. You can tell it has turned white. Now, I don't care what color it turns as long as it don't turn loose. <laughs> you see, some folks look like they went to Walmart to get head and shoulders and came out with mop and blow. <laughs> <laughs> These are my teeth because I have a receiver that belongs to me. <laughs> now, I like the stars. They come out every night. <laughs> The evening nurse came in on her shift at 11. And I said to her, I'd like a cup of water. And she said, no, I'm going to bring you milk. It would be better for your teeth. So I put my teeth in the milk. <laughs> she being a nurse, I felt like she knew better than I did. The more the nurse comes in and says, what's in this milk? I said, my teeth. She said, then why would they be in the milk? I said, I don't know. The evening nurse said it would be better for them. The only difference I could tell is a little creamier than it was in the middle. <laughs> I am 5'2 and high. My husband was 5'3 and a half. We went to trace our family tree and found out we didn't have one. It's just a stump. <laughs> There's no tree to it. <laughs> Thank God a limb has grown out of our stone. We have a son that's six feet tall. And he gets out of line, we bite him on the kneecap. Now, the <laughs> I was born and raised in the state of Kentucky. You can tell I have an accent. It's a Kentucky accent. Lady asked me one time, said you were raised in Kentucky. I said, yes, ma'am. Racehorse country. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, do you have a tip for me? I said, yes, ma'am. Put everything you've 
lot on the rider on the white horse and the land freeze. I think I was going to be a swimmer. Everything I have is on the rider on the white horse and the land freeze. Amen? Amen? The most important thing I have to tell you, I was saved at the age of seven. Filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at the age of ten. And it's more real tonight than it was 70 years ago. Minnesota District for the invitation to come. Brother St. John, it's good to see you. For the invitation to come, Pastor Doug, Pastor Mark, Pastor Ross, Pastor whoever, thank you. <laughs> we thank you for the invitation. Appreciate it so very, very much. I appreciate getting to minister at this prayer retreat. We're going in a different direction tonight, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the one we pray to. I don't have faith in prayers. I have faith in the one I pray to. So tonight we're going to focus on a fresh revelation of the exalted Christ. Praise God. That's the one we're praying to. That's where my faith lies. Is the one that I pray to. Revelation 1 and 8 reads like this. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, said the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. Now my translation says ending. And I'll tell you why it says ending. An end has an end, but an ending doesn't. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, said the Lord. Which is, which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Pastor St. John, would you stand as God to anoint me, please? Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of knowing that you're here for us. Yes, God. Would you anoint our ears? Would you anoint your ministry to us? May Jesus be glorified in every one of our lives. May we go home with something fresh and new that we can use for your kingdom, for your glory. Yes, God. Bless her, anoint her, use her, and, and uh, give us what, what you desire for each of us as we leave this place tonight in your powerful name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. I want to minister to you tonight on three individuals that saw the Lord. Isaiah saw the one that was. Stephen saw the one that is. And John the Revelator saw the one that is to come. Mom, that's good. Let's begin with Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Isaiah said, I said, the Lord was me. From a land of unclean lips, dwell in the midst of people unclean lips, mine eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. One of the seraphims flew unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with a tongs from off the altar, laid upon my mouth, and said, This has touched thy lips, thine iniquity taken away, and thy sin purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send? Who will go? 
for us. And Isaiah said, Dear my Lord, send me. Isaiah said, number one, when I saw him, his face became a mirror unto me. What happened? Conviction took over. I still believe in conviction. I still believe that God, the Holy Spirit, will convict us. Folks, people can draw a crowd, but only the Holy Spirit can draw people. So he said, when I saw him, conviction took over. We were pastoring First Assembly back with Kentucky, as Pastor Mark alluded to. One Sunday evening, after the well, during the altar service, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I want you to check to be sure everybody here knows Jesus before we leave. I got up and I said, Folks, I want everybody to pray with me. I want to be sure that everybody here knows Jesus before we leave. We prayed together, dismissed, went home. The following Wednesday, I received a phone call from the state of Wyoming. Mother said to me, are you the pastor's wife the First Assembly of God in Radcliffe, Kentucky? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she began to weep. And she said, my son, who was stationed at Fort Knox, and we passed her two miles from the gate of Fort Knox, was getting out of service and coming home. And he called me at 10 o'clock Sunday evening and said, Mom, I'm all my way home, but I wanted you to know before I left for home, I stopped by in the Siblings of God Church in Radcliffe, Kentucky, and some little lady, now they say a little older, <laughs> some little lady, I think she was a pastor's wife, got up, got up and asked us to check her heart to be sure we're ready to meet Jesus. And he said, for the first time in my life, standing on the back pew of that church, I accepted Jesus yes, God. as my Lord and Savior. Twenty-two years they prayed for me. Mom, if I don't make it home, I will see you on the other side. She said, three o'clock Monday afternoon, state police knocked on her door and said, man, there's been an accident and your son didn't make it. She cried and said, Miss Tennyson, Thank you for giving my son one more opportunity to make heaven his home. What happened? Conviction. Are you hearing me? Conviction to go. Folks, we need to say, God, we want to so plan our services that anytime the Holy Spirit wants to jump in and do what the Holy Spirit needs to do, let him work among us in a fresh way. Amen. But not only Isaiah said he could leave me at conviction, he took me from conviction to purification. That means fire purifies. He took a coal of fire. Now listen to me. If we get a coal of fire, church, it's not going to come from the fellowship hall or the gym. It's going to come from the altar. The fire still comes from the altar of Almighty God. Purification. He touched my lips and he purified me. You see, conviction is this. It's knowing I need to change. Purification is the process of being changed. But he didn't leave me there. He took me on to transformation. 
And that's living out the change. See, the Word of God is not just for information. It's for transformation. So, Isaiah said, I went from conviction to purification to transformation. And the fourth thing he did was he said, he made me committed unto the cause of Jesus Christ. After I'm convicted, after I'm purified, after I'm transformed, then I am committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. He said, I will go. Send me. I've been convicted. I've been purified. Oh, I've been transformed. I'm free to obey God. And I want to be committed to the cause of Jesus Christ. Isaiah said, I saw the one that was. Let's go on. Stephen saw the one that is. Number two. He said, as he was being stoned to death, I looked to heaven. I saw God. I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I saw the glory of God when the heavens opened. Now, folks, in Jewish custom, when you witness for somebody's life, you cannot do it seated. You have to stay to witness for anybody's life. What was Jesus doing? He was witnessing for Stephen's life. I saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. I saw the glory of God. Folks, I have seen the glory of God twice with a natural eye in my life. The first time I saw the glory of God, I was six years old. I was raised in Pentecost. How many believe I might have people? <laughs> uh, we lived across the street from the Pentecostal church we did on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock in the summertime the ladies had permits now we didn't have air conditioning back then the ladies were up and you could hear the women pray for a mile now we pray like prayers died and we're offering our last respects. <laughs> now my mother didn't always get to go with the prayer meeting. She had four children at home. Eight of them. And I was one of them. I'm sure I was enough to stay home for. I'm absolutely sure I was a hyperactive child. <laughs> they didn't know it, but I'm sure I was. One Tuesday morning, my mother was at the clothesline hanging up clothes. Now, for you younger people, a clothesline is a pole on this one. There's a pole on this one. And there's wires stretched between the two poles. And there's little wooden pegs, and they're called clothespins. And you take the clothespins, and you hang the clothes on the line, and the wind and the air will dry the clothes. So my mother was at the clothesline hanging up clothes. Shailman came to the clothesline and said to my mother, Excuse me, ma'am, what kind of institution is that across the street? She said, It's a church. He said, What are they doing? She said, They're praying. He said, Have you looked over there lately? She said, No, sir. He said, There is a ball of fire that's going from one end of that building to the other, not touching the roof. He said, I tried to get over there to check it out. And there's a force greater than myself that pushes me back. I can't get near the building. My mother ran in the house. And she said, children, I want you to look out the window. 
I want you to see the glory of God at least once in your life. I looked out that window and that ball of fire was going back and forth across that building, not touching the roof. That morning that carried the lady out on stretcher. She had been given three weeks to live. She was dying with a lung disease called tuberculosis. And they'd given her three weeks to live. Honey, they carried her in and she walked out and still alive today. The glory of God. How many is coming for the glory of God? God, show us your glory. Show us your glory in a fresh way. God, we're tired of going through the motion. I'm not saying emotion, I'm saying motion. How many know I can clap my hands without thinking? I can lift my hands without thinking. But that doesn't mean I'm worshiping. But when I see him for who he really is and what he wants to do in my life, then I begin to clap my hands and lift my hands. Then I begin to worship. The second time I experience the glory of God, Pastor Mark alluded to this a few minutes ago, the tragedy that we suffered. There's, there's anybody here, how many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? How many does not know? Uh, let me explain to you real quickly. In 1988, our youth group returning from an album, Kings Island, Ohio, on their way home at 11 o'clock in the evening, encountered a drunken driver going the wrong way on the interstate. Now, I call this, it's not an accident, it's a tragedy. It's not an accident when people drink and drive. It's a tragedy. Interstate 71, they were 75 miles from home. And this drunken driver hit our church bus. Right headlight to right headlight, driving the frame eight feet back onto the bus. Breaking the spring system. The spring system flew into the gas tank and they fueled up about 20 minutes before the tragedy. And when the spring system broke through the gas tank, that spring began to drag on the pavement, creating sparks. And the gasoline began to drip on the sparks, which created a burning inferno. We lost 27 precious people. We lost 24 young people and three staff members. Our associate pastor, our youth pastor, and our youth choir director, and 24 young people. Our son was on the bus. He got off two minutes before it exploded. Folks, our church went through a whole period of grief. Horrible. We couldn't worship. 58 families involved. We couldn't worship. Everybody was at a different season in their grief. My husband said to me one day, honey, we're not going to continue to go like this. We can't. The next Sunday morning, after he said that to me, Donnie Pure, the associate pastor's widow, the associate pastor was driving the bus. He was 36 years old. He left a 34-year-old wife, a 14-year-old daughter that was burned over 65% of her body and lived. 
a 12-year-old son, and an 8-year-old daughter. She had to stay in the hospital many months with this 8-year-old daughter. I mean, a 14-year-old daughter that was burned so bad. The first Sunday she was able to return to church after the tragedy, she walked up on the platform to sing in our praise to him. We begin to sing that song, Hallelujah, praise the Lamb. My heart sings your praise again. And she said, God, I can't sing that song. I'm a 34-year-old widow, three children, one bird beyond recognition, and no way to make a living. Folks, God doesn't get upset with you when you don't understand. Remember when Elijah was running from one of the Bell sisters. Jesse was her name. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, God, I was sure to die. And he said, it's going to take more than a raven and a cherith, a widow seraphim. This time, I'm going to send an angel to minister unto Elijah. And the Lord said to God, would you offer me a sacrifice of praise? Yeah. I don't praise him for what he's done for me. I praise him for who he is. I worship him for who he is. That's good. And she said, I will. Honey, she lifted her hand and began to sing. And my heart sings your praise again. And when she did that, the power of God hit her. She ran across that platform waving both hands and praising God. And there was about 900 or 1,000 people there that Sunday morning. Honey, they began to have a Jericho march. And they did everything they could do and still be right all over that auditorium. Amen? <laughs> oh, what am I saying? At 11.30, there was a glory cloud that came into the church. Hung halfway down. You couldn't see the ceiling from one end to the other. Out of the cloud came a voice. And here's what the voice said. My children, not for a moment did I leave you. I have been here the whole time. I have walked every step of the way with you. Victory is yours. Hold on. I'm still your God. And he said, today I chose to make my presence visible unto you so you would know that I'm still your God. Church, those precious people stood from 11.30 Sunday morning until 4 o'clock Sunday afternoon worshiping God under a glory cloud. When that cloud lifted, when it's missed, it went home and never again were we bothered by that spirit of grief and bereavement. Wow. Had been broken through the obedience of the one. Are you hearing me? Stephen said, I saw the glory of God. Folks, we've got a generation that needs to see the power of God. We've got a generation that needs to see the glory of God. I want my grandson to know the glory of God. I want him to know the power of God. Once again, we have got to have a fresh revelation of who he is. As we begin to worship him and pray unto him. Let's look at who he is. He's incomparable in his person. Never has one lived or ever will live who can compare him to. He's not one of a kind. He's the only one of the only kind. I'm one of a kind, thank God. But he's the only one of the only kind. Folks, 
He's God and He's man. Martha said at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus said to Martha, Thy brother shall rise again. And he, she said, I know he'll rise again on the last day of the resurrection. And Jesus said, I'm the resurrection of the life. Folks, it's not something we celebrate once a year. It's somebody I celebrate every day of the year. I'm the resurrection of the life. Martha, if you can't trust my time and trust in my character, <laughs> I'm getting ready to show you my divinity. Mary said, Jesus, if you're divinity, my brother would not have died. You responded by weeping. How do we know she's God and man? Unto Martha, he revealed his divinity. Unto Mary, he revealed his humanity. Unto the crowd, they said, if, if he had been here, couldn't something have happened? Unto the crowd, he revealed his glory. He said, Lazarus, come forth. First, we need to get in our spirit. He's improbable in his person. Never has one lived or ever will live. Like Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And you may say to me, well, what can he do? Well, he can take a ball of blood and make man. He can take a sign and make a rainbow. He can take emancipated out of the river now. He can take a shepherd's staff and make a snake. He made a freeway out of the Red Sea. Or he made an army out of dry bones. He made a preacher out of donkey after he made a probably green. He made an elevator out of a whirlwind. He made a taxi out of a whale. He made a banquet out of a boy. Sponge. He made wine out of water. He made a taxpayer out of fish. He made the blind to see, the lame to walk, the deaf to hear, the issue of blood to He made the food out of the And he said, Pastor, I don't know anyone 
There's blood related to that. I want to say something off the cuff to you tonight. If somebody calls you mom or daddy, husband or wife, son or daughter, aunt or uncle, grandma or grandpa, you thank God. You've never seen the emptiness in the eyes of a man that says, I don't want anyone related to me. We went through many months with this young man. Many a morning at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, either my husband or myself was on the phone with him. Folks, you do what it takes to make it work. Many a night we'd spend the night with him, or he'd spend the night with us. But God has given him a ministry to the men and the families. For 30 years, he was the men's director for the state of Kentucky. Men's department. On March the 4th, 1990, he was to be in North Carolina to do a service. He said, I looked at my calendar on the second, and I thought, I don't want to go to North Carolina. You see, the fourth would have been his oldest daughter's 16th birthday. He said, I promised my oldest daughter when she got to be 16, I was going to take her out to lunch, give her 16 red roses. It was going to be our dad. He said, I want to go to Poplar Bluff, Missouri, take 16 red roses, lay them on a grave, wrap my arms around a coal monument, and cry my eyes out. He tried to call the pastor to cancel the engagement. No answer. Saturday morning, he was praying. And he said, God, you know what I want to do, but what do you want me to do? He said, God said to him, I want you to wire 16 red roses to the church where you're going. I want you to be on your plane this afternoon and preach in service Sunday. And he said, I said, why God? And God said two words to me. Trust me. You know why we don't trust God any more than we do? We only trust people we know. When I first started dating my husband, he would take me through the door, first six, seven, eight months, past months, stick out his hand and say, I sure enjoyed the fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the house one night and said, I can get this at church. <laughs> fellowship. That's good. Through fellowship, I got to know him. How many followed me? After I got to know him, I promise you, 52 years, there was not a person on this earth that I trusted any more than my husband. He was a man of God. He was a man of integrity. Never lied to me. Always faithful to me. How did I arrive at that trust? It began with fellowship. The more I fellowship God, the more I'm going to know God. And the more I know God, the more I'm going to trust God. Amen. How many follow me? That's good. Yeah. God said, trust me. He said, I wired 16 red roses to the church where I was going. Pastor picked him up to the airport and said, Lee, we received 16 red roses for the church today. What are they for? He said, Pastor, I don't know. Just trust God and trust me. Sunday morning, the Lord said to him, there's going to be a special young lady here today. 
And I want you to give her those 16 red verses. I'll let you know who she is. He said, I went into the youth Sunday school class, no one in there witness to my spirit. After the worship service, said to the youth pastor, if another young lady walks in here, tell me her name. He said in the middle of the worship service, a young lady walked down the aisle, sat on the front pew, and the Lord said to him, that's her. I want you to follow her aim. I'm so past in his performance. That's what we want. And he said, her name is Missy. Lisa, when I got up to minister, I said, folks, today would have been my oldest daughter's 16th birthday. I promised her 16 red roses. Take her out to lunch. Want to go to Poplar Bluff, Missouri? Take 16 red roses, lay them on the grave, wrap my arms around the coal monument, and cry my eyes out. But the Lord told me to wear 16 red roses today to this church, yesterday to this church. And a few minutes ago, he told me to give them to Missy. He said, Come up here, honey. You're going to be my daughter today. I'm going to give you these roses. I'd rather hug flesh and bone than I would a coal monument. I'm going to take you and the whole youth group out to lunch. He said that whole church broke down weeping. After the service, Missy came up to him and said, Mr. Williams, you didn't know, you don't know me. And of course he didn't. She said, three years ago, my mother dropped me off on the streets of Jacksonville, Florida. Never returned for me. I don't know who my father is. I never met him. Three months ago, a lady evangelist from the Assemblies of God picked me up off the streets of Jacksonville, Florida, brought me to Teen Challenge here in North Carolina. I started attending this church, gave my heart to the Lord. Mr. Williams, I awaken today. Today is my 16th birthday. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. And she said, I said, God, I don't know where my mother is. I don't know who my father is. No one cares that I'm 16 today. Jesus, if you love me like they say you do, and you're who they say you are, every other day you'd like to have 16 red roses for her birthday. When I go to church today, let someone give me 16 red roses. What am I telling you? The one that's unsurpassed in his performance took the hurting heart of a man in the state of Kentucky, sent that hurting heart to the state of North Carolina to let a 16-year-old girl know, I am who they say that I am, and I love you like they say that I am. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's right. His name is Jesus. Amen. And he's still performing in the lives of those that will let him perform. His name is Jesus. Let me give you another testimony. Unsurpassed in his performance. When our son was born, he died four times the day he was born. He had what they call highline membrane disease. That's where the lung completely fills up with fluid and he drowned in your own fluid. And the doctor said to my husband, Sir, your baby's heart has stopped four times. If he stops again, we're going to let him go. Because the oxygen has been cut off to his brain over five minutes. And your son has severe brain damage. Your son will never walk or talk, see or hear. 
It'll be a vegetable if it is. Folks, that's what they said. But Jesus didn't say that. But Jesus didn't say that. My husband said, he was of course intensive care, the baby was, and said, I'd go there and stand and looking at him in the incubator, pray in the spirit, come on, son. You're a promise to your mother and me. Come on, son. You're going to make it. And he said, look like every breath would be his last one. We were pastoring in the state of Kentucky, Arlington, Kentucky, as far west as you can go in Kentucky without dropping off in the Mississippi River. Some of the folks came up from the church where we were pastoring on Sunday afternoon to see our baby. My husband had a retired minister filling in for him, so he was in the hospital with the baby with me. They went back and said to the retired minister, Brother Cox, if a miracle doesn't take place, the pastor's baby is not going to make it. And that precious brother said, I'm not going to preach. I want everybody in this altar. I don't want anybody to get up until they pray through. Now that's a cliche we don't hear much anymore, church, but it still works. What is praying through? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's praying until you touch heaven, but you don't get up until heaven touches you. Amen. Then you pray through. At 9 o'clock, one of the ladies got up and said, Brother Cox, I prayed through. The baby's going to leave. He dismissed and went home. My pediatrician came in the next morning and said, Miss Tennyson, at 9 o'clock last night, the nursery called and said, Dr. Stryker, the Tennyson's baby's lungs is as clear as me. He's wanting something to eat. What are we going to do with him? said, baby. said, if your baby took eight ounces without stopping you can tell he still had a stop. <laughs> he said, but you'll take him home. But he's still a vegetable. He'll never walk, talk, see, or hear. And said, his brain is totally nothing. Oh, to have a brain not nothing but what he's got. And you know what? My husband looked at that doctor. And I'm going to say something here tonight, folks. It's time we pray through enough that we've heard from God and we can look at you and say, this is what God told me, how it's going to be. My husband, Pastor Joe, looked at that doctor and he said, Doc, God doesn't do a halfway job. <laughs> the God that healed our baby's lungs has healed our baby's brain. He said, I promise you, our baby will be sharp. Our baby graduated from high school at the top of his class and preached his high school graduation. He graduated from Evangel University and preached that graduation. He graduated with his summa cum laude. Somebody said I graduated old <laughs> Graduated from Fuller Seminary at the top of his class, graduated from oh, excuse me, Asbury Seminary, then Fuller Seminary with a PhD degree at the top of his class and preached that graduation. 
What am I saying? Bragging on my son? No, I'm bragging on Jesus. My son can't even do it. Amen. I'm bragging on Jesus tonight. The church is up to pastor. Amen. Praise God. That's right. Let's get back to believing in the power of a supernatural God. Let's get back to believing when we pray that something's going to happen and I can look at you and say, I pray and this is what God told me and as the Apostle Paul said I believe it's going to be just as he told me Amen. let's get back to hearing from God take your time to hear from God and say this is what God said and I believe it's going to be just as he told me not only is he comparable in his person the one that is unsurpassed in his performance but it's all biblical in his pronouncements. When he speaks, it will be so. Used to be an old bumper sticker years ago people had on their car. I know what they're saying, but it's not true, so don't put it on your car. <laughs> Jesus said that I believe it in his soul. No, Jesus said it in his soul. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Whether I believe it or not, it's still so. Right. I don't know if she's coming again, whether I believe it or not. Yeah, I don't have to believe it for it to be so. It's still so. Yeah. I'll never let his pronouncements. You know, there's people that have powerful pronouncements in their realm of control. A doctor has a powerful pronouncement in the hospital, but not in the courtroom. A judge has a powerful pronouncement in the courtroom, but not in the hospital. A policeman has a powerful pronouncement on the highway, but not from the pulpit. A preacher has a powerful pronouncement from the pulpit, but not on the highway. But the one I'm telling you about is all-encompassing in his pronouncements. When he speaks, it will be so. Amen? He said to the lame man, take up thy bed and walk. He put a flicker in the blind man's eye. He put vibration of sound in the deaf man's ear. He said to the thief on the cross, they shall not be with me in paradise. He said to the sinner, thy sin be forgiven thee. He, folks, he, when he speaks, it will be so. In his pronouncements. Let me, go, let me tell you about Mr. Williams. The guy that lost his entire family on the church bus. As I said, went through many months of depression. One day, the Lord spoke in my heart and just said, You know, have him over for lunch today. So I called him and I said, He was, he, uh, he was over the hospital at Fort Knox, Kentucky. And I said, Lee, my husband's coming home from the church office at 12 noon, and I want you to come have lunch with us. He said, I'll be there. Walked into the living room, sat down there in her chair, began to sob. And I said, son, what's wrong? He said, I just broke the last tie that I had with my family today. Our little dog that we've had for 17 years had to have her put to sleep this morning. The doctor said, Mr. Williams, she's grieving herself to death over the girls. She'll never, never eat again. And he said, Sister Tennyson, I thought the worst day of my life was when I landed in Vietnam. But he said, the worst day of my life was when I walked into a funeral home in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Three white caskets. Funeral director said to me, Mr. Williams, according to dental records, they could not be identified except through dental records. It was incineration. 
This is your wife. This is your 10-year-old. This is your 14-year-old. He said, I laid my body across three white caskets. Cried out every tear I ever had, I think, in my body. And he said, now, my little dog's gone. And he looked at me and said these words, I'm not going to make it. Pastor Mark, when he looked at me and said that, something rose up in me. Church, it's time something rises up in us. It's time when we have a prayer line something happens. That's right. That means you. Don't go back like the king. God moves. Something happens. That's right. Something rose up in me. Are we going to let this man die? You know, there's no statement that goes around. I don't like it. You'll think of me every time you say it. But it's, it is what it is. How many of you ever heard of it? No, it's what God says it is. It's not it is what it is. It's what God says it is. And I, we had lunch, had prayer. And I said, God, if somebody doesn't get a hold of you, it's not going to make it. And God said to me, how about you get a hold of me? How many of you the best somebody there is? I will tell you what, I shut myself in the room and I prayed until I prayed through. And the Lord spoke, and here's what he said. He's all difficult in his pronouncements. I promise you, Lee Williams will be happy again one day. He's omnipotent in his pronouncements. When he got home from work, he called. And I said, son, I heard from the Lord today. And he said, you'll be happy again one day. And he said, that's all I've got to hold on to. I said, son, when God makes you a promise, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> that was in September. In November, he came to me and said, I want to ask Dottie out for coffee. Now, Dottie was the associate pastor's widow. What do you think? I said, I think it's too soon. She's not over John yet. She still has her three children. You don't have anybody. Don't mess it up. <laughs> you see, I had Dottie in my Sunday school class when she was six years old. So I knew her very well. Her mother-in-law was my babysitter when I was a baby. She said to me one day, if you don't become an auctioneer or a preacher, I'm going to be mighty disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to talk to you. <laughs> December came to me and said, I want to ask Dottie out for coffee. What do you think? I said, I think it's too soon. She's not over John yet. You better wait. January of 89, he came to me and said, I'm asking Dottie out tomorrow. I said, hold it. I'm going to go over there this afternoon and I will play CIA in your behalf. <laughs> she didn't know I was a double agent. <laughs> he did. I went over to visit with Dottie that afternoon and I said, Dottie, are you going to raise these three children alone? She said, I don't want to. But who's going to take on a widow with three children? Name one. Give me a minute to think. I said, how about Lee Williams? What would you say if he asked you out? She said, I would say he should have done that yesterday. <laughs> it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I said, Dottie, have you had lunch? And she said, no. I said, well, let's go to Shawnee's for lunch. 
on the way up to Shona, just two o'clock, in my heart, I said, God, I don't want to be a part of anything that's not of you. If this is of you, let us see Lee Williams at Shona's. That's called the fleece. <laughs> now, his lunch hour is from 12 to 1. I know what it is. This is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So we're pulling across Shawnee's parking lot. Driving into that parking lot is Lee Williams in a GMC gym. And I said, Doggy, there goes Lee down. Honey, I got so excited I almost ran into the building. <laughs> she said, well, stop the car. <laughs> God asked Lee, I said, Lee, what are you doing here this time of day? I knew what he was doing there for one feet. He said, it's like this. The Colonel had a one-way lunch today. Two months ago, we had scheduled Golden Corral for his lunch. When we checked today, <coughs> they were on the schedule. <coughs> Honey, the one that's all different in his pronouncements, knew what I was going to ask on the day I was going to ask it, at the time I was going to ask it, at the place I was going to ask it. Are you hearing me tonight? So with a big favor of one, Brother Joel, he walked across Golden Corral's reservation book. They weren't even in the book. He said, we had to come to Shawnee's. That's what he thought of letting him play. He said, we had to come to Shawnee's. I've had the luncheon, went back to work, and forgot my cat. I didn't say I'm sorry. I said, well, I'll say. <laughs> when he got home that day, he called me. And he said, I saw you at Smith's today. What did she say? I said, she said you should have asked her yesterday. He said, I would have if you let me. <laughs> that was on Tuesday. He asked her out for Thursday. They had lunch for four hours. I don't know what you mean for four hours. But anyway, they had lunch for four hours. When she got home, she called me and she was crying. And she said, I think I'm in love. May. Of 89, they came to my husband and said, Pastor, we want to get married. What do you think? Then I shared with him what happened at Dead Shoulders. July the 7th, 1989, my husband united that family. He said, I don't want to marry just Donnie. I want to marry Donnie and her three children. I want five candles and unity. Over a thousand people attended that way. There was not a dry eye in that congregation when five people out of tragedy took a candle and lit one and said, We're becoming a family once again. Follow me through to a promise, the one that's all lifted. December 25th, 1989, Christmas morning, after they opened their gifts. Dolly's oldest daughter, Christy, the one that was burned so badly, said to Lee, Lee, we have another gift for you. He said, well, bring it up. She said, I'm speaking for my brother and my sister. We all agree when I'm going to speak. And she looked at him and said, you will never take the place of our father, but we've made room in our heart for you. We will never take the place of your daughters, but we want you to make room in your heart for us. We want to call you daddy. He said the oldest girl hugged his neck and said, Merry Christmas, Dad. The boy hugged his neck and said, Merry Christmas, Dad. The little girl began to cry. The eight-year-old hugged his neck and said, Merry Christmas, Daddy. And it feels so good to say that word one more time. 
They said, I promise you, I saw uncontrollably for 30 minutes. And the Lord said to him, Son, today your season is over. The promise I made you has come up to pass today. Somebody loves you, and you belong unto somebody. Amen? What am I saying? The one that's all that in his presence. When he speaks, it will be so. I want to say something to you. God may have made you a promise. It may not have come to pass, but honey, it will. Seasons are certain, but they're not final. Remember that. Seasons are certain, but they're not final. And one day the season will be over. And the promise God has made you will come to pass. God. The one that is incomparable in his person, unsurpassed in his performance, omnipotent in his pronouncements. John the Revelator said, I saw the one that is to come. I'm going to read through in a minute. Now, if you get through before I do, stay with me. Amen. At the same time. He said, in the midst of the seven candlesticks, I saw one like unto the son of man, clothed in the garment down to the foot, his eyes past his little girl, his head and hair white like wool, as white as the snow, his eyes were as a flame of fire, his feet looked like a fine grass that had burned in the furnace, his voice was the sound of many wars. In his right hand he held seven stars, his countenance shone as the sun shineth in the street, and when I saw him I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me and said, Fear not, I'm the first and the last, and he that liveth. And was dead and alive forevermore and had the keys of death and of hell. Folks, we get so worried about what the enemy's going to do, and he doesn't have the keys to his own home. The one we serve has the keys. See? That's right. Yeah. He said, The heavens open, saw my horse. He had set upon the stall, faithful and true. In righteousness, he had judged that poor. On his head, he wore many things. He had no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in vested dipped in blood. His name was called the Word of God. And the armies that followed him in heaven dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, which is like the nation ruled with rock iron, treaded out the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. And on his vesture and on his side was name written, King of Kings and Lord of the Lords. Amen. That's what it is to come. Amen. Amen. He's coming. Amen. He's coming. Praise God. He came the first time through a woman and no one saw him. He's coming the second time through clouds and every eye shall behold him. He came the first time in poverty to a stable. He's coming the second time in power and in glory. He came the first time to die. He's coming the second time to raise the dead. He came the first time in nations worse. He was born the king of the Jews. He's coming the second time as king of kings and lord of lords. He came the first time as lamb. He's coming the second time as lion of the tribe of Judah. Oh, he came the first time in meekness. He's coming the second time in majesty. He came the first time with an escort of angels. He's coming the second time with 10,000 other saints. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of us Oh, hallelujah. Isaiah said, I saw the one that was. Stephen said, I saw the one that is. John the Revelator said, I saw the one that is to come. I'm going to finish up with this. I promise I will make the rapture. Amen. Let me water my team here. <laughs> Doesn't have to grow. It just keeps the wet so I preach. 
function. He can be found in every book of this Bible. In Genesis, he's a sequel. In Exodus, he's a Passover man. In Leviticus, he's a high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud of day and the fire of night. Deuteronomy, he's a prophet like that Moses. In Joshua, he's captain of my salvation. In Judges, he's lawgiver. In all in he's uh, king. Ruth is my kingsman redeemer. First six Samuel, he's trusted prophet. First six kings, first six chronicles, he's ever reigning king. Well, Esther, he's my Mordecai. Ezra and Nehemiah, he's the broken down walls within my life. Oh, in Job, he's ever living redeemer. In Psalms, he's the good shepherd. Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's my wisdom. Song of Solomon, he's my lover, and he's my bridegroom. And Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. And Jeremiah, he's a branch of righteousness. Oh, his uh, Lamentations, he's a weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's a wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's a fourth man in the fire furnaces of my life. In Hosea, he's a faithful husband. Joel, he's baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Amos, he's word to bear. Obadiah, he's not the one to say. Oh, Jonah, he's a great word missionary. Micah, he's a vegetable with beautiful feet. About that he's a voice crying, devoured thy works in the midst of thy years. Zephaniah, he is saved. Hey, God, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. Zachariah, he's a fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. And Malachi, he's a son of righteousness, rising with healing in his way. Do you know Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's one of the workers. Luke, he's son of man. John, he's son of God. Acts, he's the fire from heaven. Romans, he's justified. First Corinthians, he's sanctified. Galatians, he's a redeemer from the curse of the law. Ephesians, Christ, and search for riches. Oh, in Philippians, he's the God supplies all my needs. In Galatians, he's the fullness of God in the bodily. First Thessalonians, he's soon coming king. First Timothy, he's mediator between God and man. In Titus, he's a faithful pastor. In Philemon, he's a friend that's to confront him and a brother. In Hebrews, he's the blood of the everlasting covenant. In James, he's the great physician. Oh, in first Peter, he's chief shepherd. First second John, he's God. In Jude, he's a savior covered with 10,000 other saints. In Revelation, he's king of kings. And he's called the There's a young lady outside of town that's a friend of mine. She's 25 years old. 
nine of kinsmen. When her husband has left it, he can't take the pressure. She has a five-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. The five-year-old son is trying to take care of his mother, himself, and three-year-old sister. Will you go to bring with him? And he said, I promised her, yeah, her I will. He said, Monday morning, I made my way outside of town. Five-year-old boy came to the door and said he looked up at the pastor and said these words, Sir, are you the man from God? Pastor said I didn't have the heart to give him my title. He didn't care if I was reverend. If I was pastor, if I was preacher, he was mourning. Are you the man from God, sir? And he said, Yes, son, I am. The little boy began to weep, and here's what he said Sir, please come in. My mother's friend said, When the man from God gets there, everything's going to change. Sink in a minute. When the man from God arrives, he said, I walked into that living room, mother so bravely here. And he said, I said, God, I'm not deserving this testimony. But if you ever made yourself realist in your Jesus, do it today. This is a boy. Let's look at your son. Do it today. He said, I laid my hands upon that mother. God instantly healed that mother that day. She got up and to her family and said, I led her to Jesus. Said they started attending the church where he pastored. It was there 15 years later when he went into another place of ministry. But he said to me, Sister, through the years, the words of a five-year-old boy has resonated in my spirit. Would you say? 